All right. Hey, welcome to HR Nightmares, the YouTube channel and podcast that is all about that book that us as HR experts wanted to write but never actually did. We preferred to do a podcast instead and just talk to cool people like Eden Wadsworth that's here today. Um, I'm Lisa Leith, and I am your host of HR Nightmares. I'm here with Beth Looney, who's on the Leith HR Group team, as well as Amy Conway from Leith HR Group. Hi. And we have a very special Penn State graduate. I'm kind of partial. Sorry, Amy. She's another big tenor. But, it's okay. Um, Beth has a one-up on us. She was on Jeopardy. Oh. <laughs> totally one-up. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Eden Arthur now. Sorry, I was going to call you Eden Wadsworth. It's all good. I call all my friends by their maiden names, and I need to stop <laughs> doing that. Um, but welcome to HR Nightmares. Thank I'm you. I'm super happy that you're here. Thank you. Uh, we like to roll through real-world situations that our audience writes in with, and we've got a couple today. But before we get into the actual HR nightmares people want us to solve on air for them, I want you to just do um, an introduction of yourself. Who are you? What do you do? How'd you get into HR in the first place? Sure. So I'm Eden Arthur. I am a global HR operations manager, which is um, a really fancy way of saying I support around 13,000 employees with my team. And I have been um, in HR since officially since 2014. Um, I got into HR because I worked in restaurant management and had some not so great bosses. So <laughs> I really wanted to be a good HR person and kind of drive a progressive thought process around HR. And that's why I'm sitting here today. Uh, okay, so global HR operations for 13,000 people. That sounds super scary. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's what I ever envisioned myself doing. Um, I always really wanted to be in global HR, but, I mean, my whole scholarly background is really U.S.-based. Um, so when I was granted the opportunity to work with a global team, I kind of jumped at the chance. Um, and yeah, it's scary, but I have a team of people to help me do it. Yeah. It's not a department of one we're talking here. So that's a really nice feature. Yes. Yeah, so tell us about your team. So I have a team of around 30 people, um, and almost all of them are full-time active employees. We have a couple contingent supports, um, but six of them are based in Latin America. So we're talking one in Brazil, five in Mexico City, and then I have a team in the United States, mostly based on the East Coast, but some based in the Central Standard Time Zone. Um, and since the pandemic, we've actually grown exponentially on my team. So I have people on my team I've never met in person. Oh, my gosh. I've never met my Mexico LATAM team. I've never met any of them in person. It's all been virtual, interviews virtual, hiring virtual, training virtual, all 100%. Wow. So this you is like travel leading down virtual. there. Yeah, I know. Let's get your passport updated. I feel like I need updated. to meet my team. <laughs> yeah. No, Can I go to Mexico City? Putting someone in Brazil was, you know, a, a smart process. Right, you right. Know, one of my plans. But I'm yeah, I need no. to visit. Unless they're in some like rural Brazilian community, which is like a bad, you know, C plus oh, movie. Oh, no. Okay. Sao Paulo. Oh, Sao yeah. Paulo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So and that was always the goal was to go and down and meet them because mm -hmm. before we were remote. That was the plan. And then COVID had other plans for us. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been a, a lot. So did you shift to all remote or were you always a remote team even before, you know, March of 2020 and all of the effects of COVID happened? Sure. So we were actually all in office before COVID. Hi. However, my Mexico team was a full remote team in the sense mm. of they were working in Mexico and I had never met them before. And my boss at the time was in Bulgaria. 
So I met her once before COVID lockdown, and then that's that's it. So I, I never even had the opportunity to work in a remote structure like that. I just had a team that was based in an office that I wasn't at. So the remote capability didn't really challenge me until March of 2020 when we all went home. Yeah. yeah for good. Yeah. That must be interesting, though, never to have met – I think you get so much energy from just being in the same room. How do you combat that? Oh, yeah. So actually, I was surprised with that piece of it um, because what I really try to do is structure team calls so that you don't just jump into work right away. Because I think in the office setting, you're used to talking and, you know, getting coffee, who wants to go to lunch, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So really, those meetings start to be kind of that water cooler talk in the start of the meeting or at the end and also really just start to get to know people then. Um, it's much harder to remember people's kids' names, though, I will tell you yeah. that, mm-hmm. because you don't see pictures of them at their desks and things of that nature. <laughs> but um, we have really found that if you have that rhythm and you allow for that personalization and that relationship building in the calls, that tends to bring that energy to it. I will tell you, my team calls, we really – I think icebreakers sometimes can be a little – yeah. Kitschy. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we found different ways to do it while getting to know each other. So we've used Kahoot before. Um, and What's like, that? So it's this cool app where um, ah, you can create good. a quiz and then everybody can like vote A, B, C, D, which is the answer. And then you have a winner at the end. I did not know the capital of Brazil. Oh, cool. A real learning <laughs> it's activity. It's not Sao Paulo. It's not. It's Brasilia. Oh, okay. And I'm probably saying it awfully. We should do a Kahoot during this episode. <sighs> Yeah, because I was going to say I knew that because I was on Jeopardy. Uh, so. I was, I was, <laughs> it was all like, comes back to Jeopardy. Beth is going to win this Kahoot game. Yeah, right, I'm not we're doing playing Kahoot. Kahoot against Beth. No, no. <laughs> I just have this really weird trivia. In I'm my too head. competitive. Not, Hold on, but what important. if we partner up against <laughs> Beth? Let's mm-hmm. see who. Mm-hmm. Let's see who can. But do it's it. also how fast you answer the question Ooh, on top of that. Okay. So collaboration. Yeah, it's time and accuracy. Yeah, gotcha. So okay, that's an interesting thing. So here you are leading a team from Brazil and you didn't know their capital. How did that how did that make you feel? It it <laughs> actually I think the best part of it is it really adds a humility to leadership um, because you don't have all the answers walking in and you also are kind of naive to some of the the rules, the expectations, the culture. Um, and so it's also it allows for more of the I guess um, what's the two-way learning. Mm-hmm. I am not. I might be the leader of this team, but I'm sure not the most knowledgeable in the room. That's fine. And so that's a really neat feature, especially when it comes to global HR, because Brazil, for example, has blue workbooks that they have to have filled out for every single job and everything that they do. And how do you do that remotely? So, like, it's been a really interesting journey of learning and then at the same time navigating a remote world or during the pandemic and now starting to kind of trickle back to the office here and there. What about, like, productivity? Everybody's speaking a different language. So you had, like, a boss in Bulgaria. Um, you obviously speak English. Um, they speak Portuguese in Brazil. In Mexico, they speak Spanish. Like, How do you, does that like impede productivity at all? Or how do you guys have team meetings? Sure. So it kind of matters. It it depends on what teams we're working with. If we're working the local HR teams, um, the one nice thing is the company I work for, they do have English as their primary language. So everyone, you know, has to be able to converse or, you know, interact in English. 
However, it became really clear when we were doing some really difficult transitions of work in, in Argentina, for example, that you can't just do everything in English. If you think about describing FMLA, yes, you could describe FMLA in another language, but there's nuance. There's things that cannot be kind of defined or looked up in a dictionary, Google mm-hmm. Translate, like that's not going to help you. So I've actually <laughs> kind of allowed my teams, once they're trained on you know how to you know transition work and document processes, to have those conversations in local language, which makes them comfortable. And we actually found that productivity in the calls shot way up because you aren't doing translation in your head to describe a process you're really comfortable with to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing in their t- language. So it is a two-way street. And my team is really good about stopping and saying, like, hey, we just talked about this. And I do speak Spanish, but not business Spanish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm right. Portuguese is like... You can order a beer in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could get around Mexico City without trouble, you know, but business Spanish, I mean, think of the words like payroll, right. you know, legislation, <laughs> like all of those words. I'm like, I, payroll is nomina, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and even there is probably yes. just some Who different vernacular and common language that you wouldn't know even if you are able to translate it. Oh, yeah. And definitely um, between the different countries that we support in Latin America, what, you know, new hire onboarding is in, in Mexican Spanish is very different than the dialect in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So really having to navigate like, OK, what is going to be comfortable for new hires? What's going to be comfortable for new hires here? And really being flexible in that and learning learning the culture, learning the language, learning the team, and supporting it. So, Okay, so that concept seems super simple at, like, surface level, level, and it is, but it's also a very un-American thing to do, which is, like, put other people's language before our preferred language. So, you know, kudos to you for even implementing that and letting your team speak in their native language so that they can get it done. And then it sounds like they respect you a lot because they're summarizing back, you know, (laughs) in a timely manner in the meeting, like what they just discussed. So that's super cool. And I would highly recommend that other people be a little bit introspective about if you lead a global team, how could I do a little bit better to make my people be a little bit more efficient by just things like speaking your own language in a meeting also being really open to the fact that if you're moving too fast at a different pace than they are that you that they have the freedom to say hold up wait a second we need to just stop right now and group and go forward sometimes i think you know we americans tend to be like drive 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 yeah and then you wonder sometimes if some of that is lost you know we can go through it really fast but do you really understand it should we stop pause regroup yeah, Redirect. and right now, for example, we are starting all meetings because we've completed a lot of our transitions in Latin America. We, we've started all the conversations in English, but if there's a point that needs to be described or it just cannot get out of someone's mind, you know, they will just say it in Spanish and then we'll retranslate it out mm-hmm. and then we move on with our day. Um, but everyone, I mean, it also, for me, it makes me really excited because it's a vulnerability that everybody at that table is willing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for me as a leader to be vulnerable and be like, uh, you have to go much slower because I'm not here for all of this. Um, or I think you said. Um, and so that has been a learning is being really vulnerable. Um, and like you said, like just because it's English doesn't mean it's you know always the best. Sometimes we really need to meet people where they're at and where they're comfortable until we're all able to be aligned and then move forward. Yeah, that's good. 
What about, um, you know, it's funny that we're talking about this. I just did a little webinar for one, a client and a partner of ours, and it was on leading virtual teams. And one of the big things, and I used to deal with it a little bit in my former job, was just this across time zones. And so you mentioned your boss sits in <laughs> Bulgaria. Is that what you said? Like, what is the time zone change between all of your team and kind of what's the expectation around work hours and flexibility? Tell us a little about that. Well, I think the number one thing that really came to the table with my leader was um, being really trustworthy and also trusting um, because Bulgaria is seven hours ahead Mm -hmm. and there's a team in Bulgaria um, as well as a team that works closely with us that's in APAC, so in Bengaluru, mm. India. So really recognizing that I'm not going to talk to them most of the time. <laughs> so recognizing that if we do have calls and meetings, that we're cognizant of that. Sometimes we're getting on meetings early. But mm-hmm. I had a call with Australia, goodness, a couple, few months ago, and I got on at 8 o'clock at night. And that's fair yeah. to meet somebody where they're at. But also when it comes to the time zone thing, I think leading a virtual team, you have to get comfortable with people aren't going to be on the computer, logged in right at the time that you are. Mm -hmm. Um, So that expectation of my colleague in Brazil, who's an hour ahead of me, she was two for a while. When I get on, if she's on, she's on. If she wants to start later to be aligned to my time zone, like that's fine. But the expectation is that people work the time zone that we agree upon when they work, when they start. And so they work their eight to five. That's great for me. They want to work seven to four. That's great for me. We have that flexibility. But there are some, you know, hard lines, team meetings we're all going to be at and we're going to make that conducive. Mm -hmm. Um, My boss being in Bulgaria um, and I've shifted back to a U.S. leader. One thing I noticed is that my boss is always here now, which is great because you have that support (laughs) for escalations if needed. But also it's a really strange feeling because she uh, two and a half years of Right. You were gone at one o'clock and like, see you later. And it worked for me. Um, But then my team on the backside, if you think about Mexico City, right now they're two hours behind us because they haven't changed time zones. Um, I have to trust that they can work two hours without me. And I think that's that's really the point of leading a virtual team is you have to trust the people that you bring to your team, have the knowledge, the skills and the abilities to do the job that you hired them to do. And also my team has a really clear expertise escalation, you know, kind of lineage. So like Mm. if you need help, there are ways to get in touch with me. Um, And then I can, you know, you can say I need to loop my boss in on this and we'll get back to you tomorrow if it's, you know, that big of a need. But really it's setting forth those expectations. But number one, trust, trust in your team. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I work for a company that headquartered was in Seattle. So three hours and like for us East Coasters, for three hours in the morning, we were working without anyone. The problem is Seattle, though, still wanted us to be on until they were done. <laughs> so oh, it became goodness. like the East Coast working hours became 7 a.m. to, you know, midnight sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do the opposite effect. So <laughs> I'm glad that you're, you take all of that into account. I think one thing that's so important and can be so translated to maybe some of our listeners that don't have global teams but have like a local team and you talked about this a lot, and I want to get some of your feedback, but trust, and trust is so important. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the strategies, especially if you're not going to see the people that work for you or with you, How what are some strategies that you use to build that trust? Sure. So I, I definitely think the most important thing, and, and I'm an HR to a fault, is like when you are 
interviewing people for a role, you're being really transparent about what they can expect from you as a leader, but also what you expect from them, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think one of the things I do when I'm trying to onboard somebody or, or say, like, you will be remote. There will be times that no one is there for you. You know, how would you handle this situation? So really level set from the word go. But then during the first two weeks of anybody starting on my virtual team, whether it's Mexico or whether it's the U.S., they have a really in-depth and very focused relationship building onboarding plan. So they're meeting with me two to three times if I'm their direct leader. They're meeting with their team, their peers, their counterparts almost every single day. They have time to you know, set up their computer and things like that. So that first week, it feels like they are in office. They are meeting people. They're interacting. And then that second week is really follow-up, check-ins. Um, and I think people tend to get scared about so many check-ins, especially in someone's first two weeks. It can feel very micromanagey. But for me, by setting that two weeks in place for onboarding, mm -hmm. it actually allows me to do less micromanaging in the end mm -hmm. because they ask all their questions in the beginning. They have all of their documented processes because I'm a documentation <laughs> crazy person. They um, also know what to expect, right? Right. Very clear expectations. And I am not just meeting with them as their leader. I'm meeting and training them too. So I take a active participant role in training the people coming on board, even if it is Mexico or Brazil. I can still participate in training them in the platform, for example, that we utilize, or even just on expectations or how this giant bubble works and who everybody is and what each group is. Um, but really taking the time to build that relationship those first two weeks and then putting time on the calendar. Um, with a large team, it's really hard to do one-on-ones. But I feel like the reason why my team has been very successful in their work is because I've made the commitment to stay focused, stay participating. And then one-on-ones are not just about work. I mean, right. it can't be. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. otherwise, what's the point? We are working from home. We're in our pajamas half the time. Right. Business up top, party down <laughs> below, comfy below, you know? So it it was very hard to think about you know, not being authentic. Kids come in, you know, pets need to be let out. Yeah. I need to eat. You're going to watch me eat. <laughs> but we'll talk about things and we'll get through them. And I found during the pandemic, I've built stronger relationships with my virtual team because we kind of all needed each other. Um, and my team wasn't one for coffee hour or virtual happy hour. That yeah. was... Yeah. Not their thing. Yeah. Mm -mm. They did not like want it. No. I thought it was sort of. I tried it a couple times, and I was like, "This fake. it seems even with my best friends." I'm like, I don't like looking at you on this Zoom screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and and so I also regularly and almost every single month solicit feedback from that team, like what's going great and what's not, and I also have changed my leadership style leading a virtual team. You know, in office, you're hearing everything. Your mom ears are going on. It's like, okay, that person's doing that. This person has to leave early. That person's dealing with this person on the phone. They're going to that conference room. Instead, I, I bring back the platinum rule. I treat people how they want to be treated. So I have a team member that I might not talk to her for a couple of days. She's online. I see she's working. Okay. I have another team member that wants to say good morning every day, oh. that wants to interact. <laughs> we send gifts and emojis. I have another one that, you know, like every now and then, or will call me on the phone or text me. But really meeting people where they're at in that virtual environment is key too. 
And that can be translated, obviously, to, to localize too, right? You to can't any treat leader. every single yeah. person the same way. Some people need that little five-minute chit-chat about their kids and their games and what they've done, blah, blah, and then they move on to work. So. Everything mm-hmm. that she's saying, I'm just like, mm, powerhouse yeah. leader <laughs> over here. Listen oh to her. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I do think that operating in virtual it, it may, has created so much more efficiencies. And it's like if we can do all that because – we have to be able to do that because we yeah. don't have the luxury of just like having them pop into our office if they have a problem. So it's like we have all that and, and somehow we're still sometimes struggling to do that for the offices that are still in person and have people face to face. Well, that has also been surprising to me. We actually had a team member um, who, you know, pursued another opportunity. So we got together to have lunch. We got absolutely nothing done. For three hours, mm-hmm. it felt like in the office. Yes, we're on our computers, but we're giggling. You know, we're talking. We're showing pictures. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, that's why you say you only are productive in the office 70% of your time because you can become distracted right. very quickly. Right. Um, and so for me, I definitely feel like I miss, you know, that human interaction going to lunch. But at the same time, we can have lunch together. It's just, like, if well, you and, want to. Yeah, and you're me. prioritizing yeah. team so meetings. Yeah, nobody wants to watch me eat my BLT. But, like, uh, you're prioritizing team meetings and saying that's a non-negotiable. Everybody's got to be there. Some of us are going to have to wake up early. Some of us are going to maybe have to stay an hour late, but that's a non-negotiable. You're prioritizing employee check-ins and your one-on-one time with them. And I'm, like, a crazy person about if you're to do nothing right as a manager, just spend, like, 30 minutes a week with everybody on your team and just kind of, like, either catch up on what their priorities are or um, just shoot the crap, shoot the, you know, shoot the breeze. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah! I almost said, you know, I had to bleep myself. We know where uh, you were going there. Yeah, I know, the sailor over here. Um, but I think, you know, as an employee check-in, like crazy person, I, I got I have to do a shameless plug for Work Talk right now yeah. because um, Leith HR Group has their very own employee check-in technology called Work Talk. Please go check it out on worktalk.com. It's super affordable, easy to use interface via mobile app. Check in with your folks. Whether they're in town, they're down the street, they're around the corner in the office, or they're across the globe in Argentina or Brazil. I mean, you should spend time checking in on your people. Um, so I'm super glad to hear a lot of people are not good like you in prioritizing employee check-ins. So um, kudos to you for, for being great at that. What else? Um, you know, I would say, okay, uh, COVID's over, right? So, um, Well, there's yeah. some new variant making a pop-up. <laughs> so let's not – knock on wood. But on we've that. got all these clients, right, that are, um, okay, everybody back to the office. And we had tried remote work, remote work worked great. And so now we're at this point where we're asking people to come back because we spend a crap ton of money on rent for our office space. And so, you know, listening to you, it's like you put so much trust in your global team and they deliver. Mm -hmm. And if they don't deliver, let's talk about how you manage that. Because I think people just generally are fearful. You know, they act out of fear. Get back to the office. We're not preserving our culture. Um, you're not being as productive. I want to see butts in seats because I'm paying for the seats. So, like, I mean, how, how would you, if you were in our positions as HR consultants, how would you coach those people who don't have a trust and they live out of fear um, and don't want to continue remote work? Like, how would you coach them? 
I mean, I I can understand that perspective 100%. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, want their people in a spot. Um, but that really feels to me like trust is lacking. And so you have to ask yourself, are people just working because they're scared of getting fired? Or are they working because they like what they're doing? And then on top of that, you know, if there is a need to be in office, be in office. Mm-hmm. But if there is no need to be in office mm-hmm. and your people have shown for two years that they're able to do it and they're happy doing it. Yeah, they it, like it. Well, then I feel like that's kind of a no-brainer because then your culture is a culture of trust and a culture where people want to stay. But if if you need to hold your people and micromanage them, I'll tell you, you know, when we first went remote, it was difficult as a leader. The way I managed was completely different. So really having to get that feedback from my team on how to manage people was was an absolute key to being successful this long. I, you know, I am okay with being in a hybrid model. I think that's nice. But if there's no need to be in office and people have been successful and they've been productive, then really asking the company culture, what is so important about being in office? Is it really team building meetings? Mm-hmm. I, I've done it. I can do it. And also at the same time, I understand, um, you know, also wanting to be there for the uh, customers that want to come in, you know, in different you yeah. know, businesses and settings. You want to be present so when people come in. But ultimately, I think, you know, why don't – why? I think that should always be the first question of any of those. Why do you need to be back in the office? Why is it so important? And if you want to be back in the office, then you be back in the office. Yeah. Yeah, it's the one it, – it, it is interesting because some of it's just this like – we don't want to change or just uh, it's a mindset it's not there's not really reasons behind it it's the leaders have not changed their mindset towards it well and that's and and i understand being fear-based but also just what the world is telling us and and the great resignation is telling us that there are people or the great i don't know buy up i don't know how you want to look at it if you're a job seeker you know job finder um you know, people are telling us that remote or hybrid work is highly, highly, highly desired right now. Mm-hmm. And people will not entertain recruitment offers that are not remote. Or you want to move halfway across the country and root up your family for what? So I can do a job on a computer in an office that I did <laughs> at home for two years? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing all my work on a computer, well, then why do I need to be where you are? And and I think if companies are open to travel or open to quarterly meetings, getting everybody on site, if that's really what's necessary, but it goes back to, is this meeting going to be something that could have been solved in an email? Yeah. Is this culture something that could have been built virtually? And I mm-hmm. think the answer is usually yes. It's it's hard. It's hard to get out of that mentality. This is the way we've always done it. But for two years, we haven't. So it's like there has been proof that it can be done. And I think we should just kind of move to kind of maybe what the employees are wanting. Yeah, and you have a great model. I mean, what you described, I mean, all the research says people will stay at a job if there's two things in place. They have a great relationship with their manager and they have a great relationship with their colleagues. So it sounds like you've been able to build relationships in kind of both of those buckets. And I think people who are fearful and say the culture is disintegrating probably aren't investing the right amount of time in those two buckets of relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to calendar these one-on-ones. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen. And we always had a rule of thumb at Corning that if you have a manager title and you have direct reports, you should be spending at least 20% of your time talking to your people about 
what's going on with them, building rapport, helping them prioritize, removing barriers. Like that's 20% of your time on your calendar. So look at your calendar um, and carve out 20% of your time. That's a good place to start. If you can do more, great. And especially the higher you move up the ladder, right, the closer you get to that CEO seat, the more time you need to be spending talking to your people and doing less work, you know, in the business and doing more work on the business and with your people. So um sounds like you do a great job and well a lot of people just aren't good at that i was taught very early on and and one of the expectations in in our management philosophy is that one-on-ones are non-negotiables but they also like if you put it on the calendar it should take an act of something to Mm. get that moved Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. because you've committed to that person that you're going to be ready and available Mm -hmm. and i also would tell you that it can be challenging to maintain that because like oh this came up or hey there's this fire or hey you know i'll catch you next week whatever that might be But that's not going to feel good, especially like what if that employee is having one of those days where they need that conversation and you say, hey, I'll catch you next week. You might have just lost that trust and confidence that they had in you. Agreed. I'm sorry I missed our one-on-one last week. My sister was in the hospital. (laughs) I know. Sometimes we don't. But it's funny. That's that's one of those things, That's one of the things. I was like, that's cool, right? right? Yeah, I know. I was like, thanks to you. Well, it's funny because we don't see each other, except for now that we have our podcast. We really have gone months without seeing each other. Yeah. But we work so closely together, and we do talk every week for 30 minutes. And sometimes it's like 20 minutes of just filling of life mm-hmm. and then 10 minutes of like, oh, how are you? On Hurry up project? and tell me what's going on. Yeah, it's like, I got to go. <laughs> hey, one thing that was really interesting to me, because I just love foreign countries and cultures and stuff like that. Um, and I have one little experience and we hired some Romanian engineers for a company that I worked with. And it was assimilating different um, cultures together. How do you, like, that's a huge question, and we're probably close to the end of our time together. Oh, yeah. No, it's an awesome question. Um, And so one of the things that's really important to me, especially um, as a progressive HR practitioner, is to really, and I guess, is to really be vulnerable. Um, Admit what you don't know. When I got my boss in Bulgaria, I was like, where's Bulgaria on a map? (laughs) Like, and really ask those clarifying questions, but also allow people to say like, hey, like this isn't how I approach things. Um, But the best way is to really just say, hi, how are you? This is my name. This is how long I've been at the company. And then at the same time, really allow that space for recognizing what those cues are. So if you start talking about your personal life or let's say you love to play football and everybody's like soccer and you're like, no, American, American football. <laughs> and then, yeah, okay, I lost on that one. And what, it's not that sport, okay? It's the other one. Or if you talk about your kids and they light up, well then, hey, you have an in there. And, and it's also recognizing if there is that lack or, you know, it might not be time. Um, and also some people are not as open to being very personal right off the bat, right. which is a lesson I learned very quickly. Um, and so really just taking the time to be vulnerable with those um, different team members, especially in Latin America, and getting to know them first and allowing them a picture and a window into who I am made it happen. So like one of the things that we do in my uh, calls with my Argentina colleagues is we have phrases, like turns of phrases that sound crazy mm-hmm. um, when you're not a native uh, U.S. speaker. Um, so like 
uh, six one way, half a dozen another. Like, oh, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> circle the wagons. They made me translate that and explain it because circle the wagons doesn't make any sense. You, That's an American West. Circle the wagons. Circle. They're like, what does that mean? And they're looking at their translator like, this makes no sense. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So It some, probably doesn't make sense to the newest generation right? either. Exactly. I, it doesn't. It doesn't. I will like, tell you. Picture it doesn't. the old the West. Wild West, <laughs> yeah. right? Sure so maybe we should stop using that one altogether. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, I mean, it's, it's being vulnerable it's allowing yourself to be authentic which is like my number one thing like you're gonna get eaten a hundred percent of the time and sometimes that's a little overwhelming for people right off the bat um but if you build that trust with your colleagues and you show that like you're open and you're willing to learn about something else i think that makes all the difference in the world yeah i think it's just you know i worked in a place that was so incredibly diverse my employees were from every country on you know you could name and I just constantly tried to just be like, so what does that mean? What is What are we celebrating for that holiday? Mm-hmm. You know, I just was super curious about all of it. But the biggest part was just working then with an, a population who was used to growing up in the United States. And so those cultural differences of some people don't shake hands, some people heads down, some people speak a lot more direct and sternly than others. So it's like you just have to really mold and have a lot of patience and and just, I don't know, be open to that we don't all have to behave the same way. And I would say one of the things that's really important in building out the team that I have, because I started with six and now I, th- like, I think we're 30. 30 and like some open positions. Unbelievable. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, I really make sure that we're not just thinking about like the best knowledge, skills, and abilities, but like do we have this perspective, personality, this thought process on my team? So like my team kind of is all generations. It's all genders. It's all backgrounds. It's all different languages. Um, And that's really important because then we challenge each other to be uncomfortable and we challenge each other to say, hey, I understand that and have it be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really like the generational differences. I think that's really fun in a team um, because – I mean, everybody says Zillennials are this, Millennials are that, Baby Boomers, Xers, all of this stuff. But really, we find a lot of common ground. It's just a lot of people don't know who Fleetwood Mac is, and then I realize how old I am. <laughs> or you say, circle the wagons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to take that one out of the book. But it is funny, too. I think sometimes it's so like, oh, well, like the Romanians are all this way. Well, that's yeah. so – that's just dumb thinking because everyone is so different within, you know, it's yeah. one element that they have. So yeah. that's what's wonderful about the world and humanity. Do you want to hold hands? Oh, hands. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, now we're going to sing us out. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's I love what, it, though. I love HR for that reason. That's why I'm in HR. Mm-hmm. I love people. And, and working in D.C. where, pff, let me tell you, I learned about places and countries I had never known before. That was what sold me. Mm-hmm. I had to be involved. I had to get to know more people. I had to see the world. Yeah. Good. Let's have some, some fun. Listener? Yeah, let's have some fun and um, go to some listener write-ins. A lot of pressure. So, I know. We're going to put oh, you on the right Yeah, do we know the right answer? Okay, somebody wrote, real nightmare here with three exclamation points. Uh-oh. Oh, goody. It's a real one. Um, I'm the manager at our sales company. Our company is paying new hires 15% more than staff that have been here for five to ten years. Yeah, this is happening. 
this is happening. It happens. Um, somehow, this conversation's made its way around the office, of course, um, and you really can't tell people not to talk about pay. Yeah. Um, and the senior employees have found out. I didn't support this decision from the start, and I tried to brainstorm other incentives for the senior team. I'm catching a lot of heat for this. I'm not too sure what to do. Please help. It's happening a lot, especially with sign-on bonuses. We're really seeing that in healthcare. Um, and it's just something that's happening with this great resignation. So it's happening. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it, if your pay structure is different for people you're hiring than the current people, you have to be real honest with yourself because people are allowed to talk about pay. Your employees are allowed to talk about pay. They're allowed to talk about their own pay, where there's differences in pay. If you think that's going to be kept confidential, it's not. Right. Um, and I think it just says a lot about the company. I. It's not necessarily intentional. We could have changed the range a little bit, but we didn't have the budget to raise everybody up. I mean, those are things that happen, certainly. But the leadership team has got to do something to kind of rectify it and do it quickly. Um, in but this environment, an, yeah, I mean, you got to be doing, you got to be looking at your compensation for the whole team twice a year, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have good comp benchmarks, you know who to call. But basically, be looking at the ranges. And if you're not paying your people appropriately, and these are people that you would really like to keep, and you're going to be screwed if they walk out the door in two weeks, then you might want to think about adjusting them to the rate that you're hiring people in at. Yeah. So, and if you don't have the budget, then talk to the folks about like a phased approach. Hey, I can do this mm -hmm. now, and I can do this in six months. But at the end of the day, people joined your team for the rate that you offered them, and this ain't prison, so you can like leave anytime you want. <laughs> and so, if it's people that you're not super concerned, concerned about leaving, it's not going to kill your business or kill the department or kill the team, then like don't adjust their pay. But if it's somebody that you really value and they're the right person in the right seat right now, you've got plans for them. You're talking to them about growing with the company and like be here for a long time. You're probably going to want to make sure that you make it right. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know if I was in that situation and I was doing the exact same job. Now you got to do apples to apples, right? Because if I'm in a HR management seat and all of a sudden, you know, somebody comes in and a director of sales role and I know they're making more than me, 15% more. Well, they might have, di they have different responsibilities and their pressures may be different than my pressures. Their team that they're managing is different than my team I'm managing. So like you have to make sure that it's apples to apples when you're also comparing your pay with your colleagues. But um, yeah, companies need to be doing the comp benchmarks. And I also think too, it, with these um, sign-on bonuses that you see so many, like, you know, $5,000 mm -hmm. for showing up for an interview. Yeah. Burger, <laughs> Not really. Burger Not King really. is giving yeah. away 500 bucks so right now the, on Market Street. For the, oh my gosh. It's crazy. We are, like, we are in the best time to be in HR because like, this is like the Wild West. Yeah. We are circling the West. We're circling the West. Great. No, but one <laughs> thing I was thinking too is that if you're doing higher um, sign-on bonuses, then you really need to maybe give a, uh, longevity bonus to the people that are there. Mm -hmm. You don't, you want to kind of keep who you have. That's yeah. <laughs> the obvious thing. Yeah. And it sounds like this was maybe the HR partner and they gave some of that really good advice and the leadership didn't take it. So I think in that, if you're in that position, you, you have to continue. You, you can't just let that conversation go. And now you're the one taking the heat for all of it. You've got to continue to get that on the agenda of the leadership, and, and but you've got to go in with facts, not just, I'm hearing scuttlebutt, here's the gossip that's happening, all these people, right? 
what are the true facts? Have the managers talked to their people? What are their concerns about their pay? Have we done the comp benchmarks? You know, do we have some pay equity problems? You have to do the analysis and give the facts and you, you kind of have to just be that drippy faucet in every meeting. You have to say this continues to be a concern. Retention Get that master rates. spreadsheet yeah. going. Yeah. Run your pivot tables. Make sure the females are not getting brought in at a lower rate than the males or, you know, ethnic minorities being brought in less than white males. It's a real issue, and we've got to be looking at that as HR professionals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good Definitely. one. All right. That's it for today, folks. Oh, my gosh. Look at Eden Arthur. I can't believe you are, you are running you're a amazing. humongous team, running a – you are an international businesswoman. I, I mean, <laughs> I never expected to be in this seat. I'm, my team makes me look good. I, I, really, I really say that 100%. My team makes me look good, and I have a great leadership team that has been really supportive and, and has coached and, and gotten us to where we're at. So they're, they're – they make it easy. Your team's growing. So uh, tell the audience how to get in touch with you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I think that's usually the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, so LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Eden, Eden Wadsworth Arthur. Eden. I had to keep the maiden name. Because <laughs> I'm getting rid of it's it. It's too, like, sophisticated yeah. and fancy to let it go. Absolutely. International woman of business. <laughs> that's right. We'll play the Austin Powers music behind you here at the end. Uh, Amy, tell people how to get in touch with you. Yeah, you can find us on LinkedIn as well. Lisa Leith, Beth Looney, Amy Conway. Catch us on YouTube, HR Nightmares. Make sure to click that bell, follow along so you get notified when new episodes air. And then you can catch the podcast version anywhere where you get your podcasts. I'm going to plug one last time. The Leith <laughs> HR Group Technology Work Talk. It's oh. a mobile employee check-ins. Please check us out, worktalk.com. Free 30 days. Go out to the website. Sign up. Do it for your team. Do it for retention. If you're serious about retention, Work Talk. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Have Thank a great you. day. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you.